0: Welcome in, everybody, episode 10, College Football Betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody is having a great week. Hope everybody is ready for a loaded week six in college football. That is right, another loaded slate Penn State, Iowa, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Alabama, Texas A&M, Auburn, Georgia, Michigan, Nebraska, on and on. Oh, Texas-Oklahoma Red River rivalry. That is right. So much to get into. Loaded show. We are going to preview all of the big games. This, of course, is the second episode this week. We did the first look at the lines on Monday. Today, I have had much more time to dig into these lines, to think about these games, and I got a lot of good information to get into. Before we do, though, I want to welcome back our partner, DraftKings. College football betting, Aaron Torres Media, as I said last week, has partnered with DraftKings. Here's the deal. It's October. Pro football is underway. Hockey is about to get started. The Major League Baseball playoffs have started. And DraftKings has an incredible deal. This, is, this this deal is unbelievable that I'm about to tell you via DraftKings and our partnership with Aaron Torres Media College Football Betting, our partnership with DraftKings. Here is the deal. New users on DraftKings, you bet $1 in October on any Major League Baseball game, any NHL game, any pro football game, and you will get $100 in free bets if you bet $1 in And the MLB team you bet on gets one hit in the game if the NHL team scores one goal in the game or if the pro football team scores a single point in that game, you get $100 in free bets. Bet $1, one hit, one goal, one point in football, and you get $100 in free bets from DraftKings. Really easy. This is all you got to do. Click the link in the uh, podcast profile here. So College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. You go in the little uh, rundown. I write up what this show is about. There's a link to DraftKings. The link is also tagged on my Twitter page at Aaron underscore Torres. You go in, you sign up through that link. It has to be through that link. Place a $1 wager. You got to make your first deposit, obviously. Place a $1 wager on any pro football game, any MLB playoff game, any NHL game. And again... One point in pro football, one one hit in baseball, one goal in hockey, and you get a $100 free bets instantly. Act quick. You better act quick, because this is not going to last long, but an unbelievable offer from our friends at DraftKings. And I should remind you, of course, If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania... West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, or call or text Tennessee Redline Line, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 21-plus to be eligible, 18-plus in Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit deposit, minimum $1 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. See draftkings.com/sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Let's get into this loaded Week 6 slate. And it's interesting because If you listen to this podcast, it's clear that you love college football. I mean, I I think that feels pretty safe for me to say. And I only bring it up because this is the fun. I, I, I believe this is about the most fun time of year to be a college football fan. This is the time of year where we start to really get a feel for who are the legitimate teams, who's not, who's rising, who's fallen. You had a great win in week one, but what does it mean? Because the team you beat, like, like this is that really fun time of year to be a college football fan and where we really start to get a feel for the national picture and what the picture is going to look like over the next five, six, seven weeks uh, into the championship games and of course the playoff. And there is no bigger game that will determine that this weekend than Penn State at Iowa. And I told you on Monday's show, really cool stat from Chris the Bear, Felica, ESPN. He said that this is the first matchup of top five teams in the Big Ten. So two teams that are both ranked in the top five. That doesn't include Ohio State or Michigan. First top top five game with no Ohio State, no Michigan since 1962. That's a long time ago. It is fun. It is awesome to have some fresh blood in this national championship and college football playoff conversation. As far as the game itself, first of all, spread was it open at Iowa minus three. It is down to Iowa minus one and a half. The over under down to 40 and a half. So you can kind of figure out what I'm going to say next. Interesting to me that most of the money appears to be coming in on Penn State as a road underdog going into a very difficult Kinnick Stadium, a place where Iowa has had so many big wins over Kirk Ferentz's career. And on top of that, I would also say the over-under is about as small as I can remember for a marquee game. Just think about it like this. If the final score ends up being 21-20, to uh, that game will go over the 40-and-a-half. In terms of the game itself, what I would tell you is this. It's really interesting because as I do this show, I do the two episodes every single week. The first one on Monday, the second one obviously Thursday morning. And sometimes when I do the initial reaction – do the lines on Monday, by the time I record on Thursday, I feel a lot different about a game. We'll get into Oklahoma, Texas in a minute. I feel a lot different about Oklahoma, Texas now than I did on Monday when I recorded reacting to the opening line. What I would also say, Iowa-Penn State is not one of those games. Iowa-Penn State is going to come down to the exact same thing that I told you it would come down to on Monday's show. It is going to come down to whether Penn State could take care of the ball. Because as I told you on Monday's show, As I've said on the Aaron Torres podcast, um, Iowa, I believe, does one thing better than anybody else does anything in college football. Not to say that other teams don't have great units. Alabama's offense is awesome. Ole Miss's offense is awesome. Georgia's defense is awesome. But in terms of doing one very specific thing, nobody does better than what Iowa does in this category. Nobody does a better job of turning you over than Iowa does. It is Unbelievable. They currently have 16 total forced turnovers this season. They have 12 interceptions, and they have a turnover margin of plus 12, which through five games is absolutely inconceivable. And so it doesn't matter who Iowa is playing. If you do not take care of the football, you're not beating them. Point blank, end of story. I don't care if it was Maryland last week. I said on the show, I said, if Maryland takes care of the football, They'll be okay. What happened? Turn it over seven times. Doesn't matter if it's Penn State this week, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Minnesota down the road. Doesn't matter if it's a team, Georgia, Alabama facing Iowa in the playoff. If you do not take care of the football, you are not beating Ohio State. Penn State, good news for Penn State. They have actually done a very good job this year of taking care of the football. Only three total turnovers this entire season. Three interceptions by Sean Clifford. But when you're talking about three turnovers over the course of the five games, you're talking about a pretty good team that does a pretty good job of taking care of the football. Here is where I would be a little bit concerned if I was a Penn State fan, though. They have not run the ball very effectively. And sometimes it's about kind of, you know, when we talk about gambling and point spreads and all that stuff, Sometimes it's looking at the stats, you know, the stats behind the stats, the story behind the story. And to me, what is interesting is this. If you just look at, if you know that Iowa is going to force a lot of turnovers, and you say, well, Penn State doesn't turn the ball over. That's good news. I agree. We all agree, right? But at the same time, here would be my concern if I was a Penn State fan. Penn State doesn't run the ball very well. They currently rank 93rd in the country in rushing yardage. On top of that, they are ranked 88th in yards per carry. And so when I think about this game, and by the way, I should say this, in Penn State's defense, they have faced two elite run defenses, Wisconsin and Auburn. The problem, of course, is that Iowa itself is an elite run defense. And if you couldn't move the ball on the ground against Wisconsin and you couldn't move the ball on the ground against Auburn, there is reason to think that you might not be able to move the ball on the ground against Iowa. And that is what concerns me about this game. Not that it won't be low scoring, not that Penn State doesn't have a chance to win, but my biggest concern is this. If you can't run the ball, what happens? You get put in a lot of third downs. What happens in third downs when you're not running the ball? You got to throw the ball. Third and long, third and 11, third and nine, third and 12. You're playing right into Iowa State, Iowa's hands, excuse me. Iowa forces so many turnovers, so many interceptions, by far the most interceptions in the country. And now the one thing that you have to do to mitigate that, which is, oh, by the way, run the football, we don't know if you can do. And so that would be my biggest concern coming into this game if I was a Penn State fan. And look, maybe the run game gets figured out. Maybe Wisconsin and Auburn are just significantly better than Iowa in the run in run defense. Maybe Iowa just hasn't faced the competition that Penn State has. I don't know. What I am saying is if you are going to bet this game, be very wary because Penn State has not run the ball well. And if Penn State does not run the ball well, they're going to have a lot of passing downs. They're going to have to throw the ball. It's going to be very concerning. I do not give you picks on this show. I just try to share as much information. I would be very, very wary if you're betting Penn State against a team that forces as many turnovers quite like Iowa does. Let's switch gears to the next big game on the docket. How about that Red River shootout? And yes, we still call it the Red River shootout on this show. Not the Red River rivalry. We don't We, we don't do PC, can't say shootout, oh my God, no. We're calling it the Red River Shootout, and I am fired up for this one. And I'll say this. I I give credit to both these teams because at least last week, each kind of looked like what we thought that they could look like in the big picture of the season. Obviously, with Oklahoma, it was a struggle early. To a degree, it was a struggle last week at Kansas State. But at least they were able to move the football the way that we expected them to be able to move the football in the preseason. Uh, Spencer Rattler, for all the criticism he gets, finished 22 of 25, passing 243 yards. And Oklahoma was finally able to move the ball on the ground, 131 yards rushing against a really good rush defense from Kansas State. In that game, Kansas State top 10 rushing defense coming into that one. And Oklahoma was basically able to move the ball on them as they pleased. Texas, on the other hand, we know what happened against Arkansas. We know it wasn't pretty. We know that at that point, they could have folded in the season and called it a season. Instead, Steve Sarkeesian goes to Casey Thompson. The offense is much better. 70 points against Texas Tech. No big deal. Just a little 70 burger up against Texas Tech. And then they took care of TCU last week, which I know does not sound like a big deal. But when you start thinking about the history of that if you want to call it a rivalry, whatever it is, Texas has struggled with TCU. That game last year is probably what got Tom Herman ultimately fired, uh, and Texas takes care of TCU, which sets up a really interesting game. It sets up a game where Oklahoma now enters as a 3.5-point favorite. The over-under is 63 and a half. and I do believe a lot of people really think Texas can get this dub, and with good reason. In terms of the game itself, look, I think it's going to come down to the running backs. It's funny because I said it on Monday's show. But we think of all these high-powered offenses as pass-based offenses, but and, and especially in this rivalry, by the way, right? Think about all the great quarterbacks that have come through this rivalry. Colt McCoy, uh, Sam Bradford, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Jason White, Vince Young, on and on and on and on and on. It's the running backs that are going to impact this game because both of these teams, certainly Texas runs the ball really well. Texas runs the ball at an elite level coming into this game, top five rushing defense in the country, because, oh, by the way, B. John Robinson might be not even human. The kid is unbelievable, second in the country in rushing yardage. I'll tell you this, by the way, I don't tell you how to bet. DraftKings currently has Bijan Robinson at plus 2,500 in the Heisman Trophy race. Uh, you can click on the link in this podcast write-up, whether it's Apple, Spotify, whatever, and I'm just telling you, I don't believe he will be 25 to 1 if he has the kind of game that he has been having. And if Texas wins this game, he might be the Heisman favorite come Monday morning. I'm not telling you how to bet. I'm just telling you, you click that link, might be worth your time, 25 to 1. B. John Robinson is awesome. Oklahoma has not been awesome running the football, but as I said, they, took, they did a much better job running the football last week. And so to me, As much as we focus on these coaches, Lincoln Riley, Steve Sarkeesian, this offensive genius, that offensive genius, it's going to come down to who runs the football better and who stops the run better. And that's the interesting part to me, because when I was doing some research, I told you a minute ago, I feel differently about this game today than I did a few days ago when I recorded the Monday podcast. And it's for one reason. Oklahoma's run defense is really, really, really good. They rank currently eighth in the country in run defense. Keep in mind that Nebraska team that ran all over Northwestern last week, uh, Oklahoma held them to under 100 yards rushing. This was a Nebraska team that had eight yards per carry, almost 450 yards rushing against Northwestern. And so this will be the best run defense that Texas has seen all year. On the flip side, Texas has not done a very good job stopping the run, and it's not just against Arkansas. They gave up over 150 yards on the ground last week against TCU as well. And so again, I don't give out picks. I don't handicap. I don't tell you where you should put your money. What I am just telling you is who runs the ball and who stops the run is going to be key to this game. Oklahoma seems to be improving the run offense, and they defend the run really well. Texas has not nearly defended the run nearly as well, although, of course, Bijan Robinson is an absolute stud. Last kind of interesting game that I want to get to, then we'll take a, I shouldn't say last, because we're going to take a quick break and then come back and talk all the big SEC games. But Michigan-Nebraska, I think, is one of the most fascinating games on the docket, not only this week, but really in the coming weeks. And you think about what a win or loss would do for each program it's a lot. I mean, there is a lot at stake for both these teams. This is a three-and-a-half-point spread. Michigan actually opened as a three-point favorite. It is now up to three-and-a-half, the over-under at 51. But again, you talk about narratives. I mean, you start with Nebraska. Scott Frost, I believe this program is trending in the right direction. I've talked about it. He, they should, they, they could have beaten Oklahoma in Norman. They should have beaten Michigan State. Last week, they destroyed Northwestern. They don't have that signature win yet, though. They haven't gotten over the top yet, though. I'd say beating a top 10 Michigan team that's 5-0 and would fit that narrative. Win this game, all of a sudden Nebraska is like, oh my God, this is the best place they've been in as a program in years. On the flip side, they lose this game. Just another bad loss for Nebraska. Can't get over the hump. Can't beat the teams they're supposed to. And oh, by the way, it's not like their schedule gets easier. Still got Iowa, still got Ohio State, and still have a tough Wisconsin team. I know Wisconsin's not very good this year, but that's not going to be an easy game for them. So that's what's at stake for Nebraska. And then from the Michigan perspective, I mean, we kind of know what's at stake. Top 10, we've doubted them. We don't really know what to make of them. But you win this game, you're 6-0, you're in position as good as anybody to compete for a Big Ten championship, and you, maybe this is the year. Maybe Penn State loses to Iowa this weekend. Maybe Ohio State isn't as good as we think. This, is, this might be the year for them. Of course, on the flip side, we kind of know the history with Jim Harbaugh. Every time that we buy into this team, uh, you know, bad things happen. And so I'm still hesitant. I'm still nervous. I'm still cautious. But just a fascinating game with so many storylines. In terms of the matchup itself, let me say a couple things. First of all, for Nebraska, it's going to come down to can they run the football. Really successful, really over the last three, four, five weeks. I just talked about it. The last time they really struggled was against Oklahoma, but Oklahoma's run defense is elite. With Nebraska, though, they are running the ball insanely well. Scott Frost, by the way, another offense that we think of as this high-powered offense dating back to the Central Florida days. It is a run-based offense, and they are running the ball at an insane clip as I said, 427 yards rushing the other day against uh, against uh, against Northwestern, and overall on the season, a top 15 rush offense, and for Michigan, one, can you stop the run, and two, I am also intrigued from Michigan's perspective on a couple things. One, offensively, will they open it up? Because I told you last week, I said, look, I love Michigan, I love Harbaugh, I defend them, uh, this, that, but This is a team that does not throw the football. They had not thrown the football at all through the first four games of the season. They actually ranked 127th out of 130 teams in total pass attempts through four weeks. And I said, look, if Michigan is just gonna try to run the ball straight at Wisconsin and think that they're eventually gonna wear them down, it ain't gonna happen. So credit to Michigan, credit to Jim Harbaugh, credit to the offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis. They were willing to open the things up through the air last week. They passed the ball much more, 30 pass attempts, and that was what allowed them to win. Is Jim Harbaugh going to continue to have a balanced offense, or is he going to go back to that run-based offense? Last couple things for each of these teams. Michigan, what stands out to me, this is going to sound weird. How fired up for this game are they? First of all, they they have a bye week next week, but on top of that, Last week was kind of the week, right? Like, I know Wisconsin isn't good. They were coming off a loss to Notre Dame. But last week was the week for Michigan. Like, are you for real? Are you not? You're going on the road. Big crowd. Camp Randall. Jump around. Good defense from Wisconsin. And Michigan passed the test. But at the same time, second straight week on the road. We know Nebraska's going to be ready. We know those fans are going to be ready. Is Michigan going to be ready? It sounds weird, but I, I, I truly believe that could be a factor. And then from the Nebraska perspective, what I would also say is this. Will Adrian Martinez take care of the ball? You watched that Michigan defense last week. You can criticize Harbaugh, defense, Michigan, whatever, for a lot. They were very opportunistic, and they forced a lot of turnovers against Wisconsin. Three turnovers forced last week. Is Adrian Martinez going to take care of the ball? Again, I don't tell you how to bet. Good luck if you think you have a feel for this one. Michigan, apparently the money is coming in on Michigan as they are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I do not know what direction I would go if I was wagering on this game. So what I want to do, I want to take a quick break. I want to come back. I want to talk about all those big SEC games, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, AM, and Ole Miss, Arkansas, on and on and on and on and on. We will be right back. All right, everybody. I am back, good to be back, good to be back, and I do want to wrap with a bunch of SEC games. It's interesting. We usually don't make it this far in a show without talking SEC, but here we are, SEC kind of sort of taking the back burner with Penn State, Iowa, and Texas, Oklahoma this week, although I guess Texas, Oklahoma is kind of sort of an SEC game. Anyway, I digress, but still four or five really interesting games in the SEC this week. Unfortunately, though, I do want to start with one that I'm not sure is going to be that interesting, and that is Texas A&M hosting Alabama. Two weeks ago, this was a potential top 10 matchup. A&M has since lost to Arkansas, has since lost to Mississippi State, and they're kind of a disaster. And sometimes I can, by the way, the spread in this one, it opened at 17. Alabama is a 17-point favorite. On Wednesday night, as I record here, it is up to 18 points. The over under 51 and a half. I expect that spread, at the very least, to keep going up in favor of Alabama. And it's for one pretty simple reason. Texas A&M cannot move the football. And I feel bad. It has nothing to do with any specific person. I don't like placing blame. I don't like being negative. But sometimes you just got to call a spade a spade. Sometimes you just have to be honest, and Texas AM's offense is really, really bad right now. Uh, Zach Calzada, there's there's their quarterback. He is not supposed to be the starter. I know Haynes King was supposed to be the guy, but this offense has just absolutely cratered since he took over as the starting quarterback. Not blaming him individually, not saying he's the only person to blame. But you look at what they've done. First of all, against F or against Power Five teams, ten points against Colorado, ten points against Arkansas, 22 against Mississippi State. On top of that, the passing numbers continue to go down. 150, 35 yards passing last week against Mississippi State. This after 151 yards passing against Arkansas. And so it's really kind of simple, right? If you can't pass the ball, what happens? The defense loads the box defense lows the box, he can't run the ball, can't run the ball because he can't pass the ball, and I don't see how it gets better against an Alabama defense that all of a sudden seemed to kind of figure itself out last week against a really good old Miss team. On top of that, my other concern, if I'm an A&M fan, is that Alabama, of course, figured out how to run the ball last week. Remember, Alabama's run game was not very good against Florida early in the year, They figured it out last week against Ole Miss. Shout out to Brian Robinson, who was the SEC Offensive Player of the Week. 171 yards rushing, four touchdowns. I think Alabama's good again. On top of that, this stat continues to blow me away. I still, in some ways, think of Alabama as that old school defensive team. It doesn't feel like they have been this loaded offense forever. They now have 31 straight games with at least 31 points, which is the second longest streak in FBS history. That is staggering to me. And so, yes, I believe this AM defense will come out fired up with the crowd. I believe it could be competitive for a half. I believe it could be 14-3 at halftime. But eventually that defense is gonna be on the field too much because the offense cannot move the ball. You cannot be one-dimensional against Alabama. I am afraid this gets ugly. Other big one, other top 20 matchup, Deep South oldest rivalry, Georgia against Auburn. And Georgia, they're right up there with Alabama, right? We love Alabama, we love Georgia, Georgia 37-0 against Arkansas. This one to me feels like it's going to be a little bit different though, not simply because of the fact that I don't think Auburn's necessarily better than Arkansas, nothing like that, but just because of kind of how Georgia's coming into this one, how the matchup gets played, all that kind of stuff. In terms of the game itself, first of all, from Auburn's perspective, my biggest concern if I'm an Auburn fan, Bo Nix did some crazy Bo Nix stuff last week and it worked out really well. He actually was a big part of the reason how they got that win in Baton Rouge for the first time since 1999, but you still look at the stats. 23 of 44, 255 yards, one touchdown. That's a 52% completion percentage, and I worry that if Bo Nix could barely get the job done against LSU, I do worry a little bit about how he will do against Georgia. Now, on the flip side with Georgia, what's kind of interesting is this. First of all, this is the best run defense that Georgia has seen all season, all season. Auburn does an awesome job of defending the run this season. Right now, as we speak, they are number eight in the country in total rushing yards allowed. Fewest rushing yards allowed, I should say. Number six in yards per carry allowed. And you look at Georgia. I don't know how healthy JT Daniels is going to be if he plays at all. I saw this quote from Kirby Smart earlier in the week that JT Daniels is practicing, that he's doing everything other than throwing the ball. Um, and so, you know, I mean, what do you even say to that? Like, like, it sounds like Georgia going on the road. I would expect a very conservative game plan. I would expect another very low scoring game. And I would expect this to be a game where Georgia relies on its run game and its defense to win them the game. I didn't even mention the spread was 14 and a half. It is now up to 15 and a half. The over under is at 46 and a half. Again, keep in mind, this is the best run defense that Georgia has faced all year. I just don't know how good JT Daniels will be or if he plays at all in this game. And I do think, by the way, when you start talking about Georgia in the bigger picture, sec championship futures national championship futures they were my pick to win the national championship but we now have about a four-year track record jt daniels can't stay healthy uh every other game it seems like he's got some knicker bruise that would concern me a little bit if i was a georgia fan arkansas old miss don't know what to say about this one Ole miss opened as a six-point favorite it is down to five over under is at 67 and really what's interesting about this game is when you think about this game, what you really have to decide is this. Whose crushing loss last week was less crushing? Was it Ole Miss losing 42 to 21, or was it Arkansas losing 37 to nothing? In some ways, I think probably Arkansas comes into this one probably in a little bit of a better mental headspace. Now, you can look at it from both sides, and let's look at it from both sides. I would argue Arkansas can probably come in from a better mental headspace just because of the fact that, like, hey, We just ran into a really good team. There was nothing we could do. We got to literally bury the game film, if not figuratively, and we got to move on to the next one. Will they? I don't know, but that would be my message if I was Sam Pittman. Sam Pittman should say, we just played the number one team in the country. We just played the best team in college football, certainly the best defense. We're going to move on. We're going to get better, whatever. Ole Miss, on the other hand, can kind of say the opposite, and I think you could take it from both, both perspectives. I don't know if Ole Miss was that much worse than Alabama, But Lane Kiffin coached himself out of that game early with all of those third down attempts. And it's really funny. I've seen all the bloggers and the stat guys saying that, you know, statistically it was the right. No, it wasn't the right decision to go for all those fourth downs, okay? But Ole Miss, I think it could be a little bit of a hangover because that was a game that I think if they just punt the ball a few times, get a stop or two, they might be in that game until the end. Instead, it was 35-0 in halftime and we'll never know. And so if you want to bet this game, all I would say is you kind of got to figure out who's coming in with a, in a better mental headspace, who is able to put this game behind them faster. In terms of the on-the-field stuff, listen, at this point, we kind of know who these teams are. Who's going to dictate tempo? Who's going to dictate speed? How is this game going to be played? Is it going to be Arkansas running the ball? We know they run the ball insanely well. We know that Ole Miss, while improved, is not an elite rushing defense. And so you look at this, this game. Ole Miss, right now, 86 nationally in total uh, rushing defense, excuse me, giving up 154 yards per game. Can Arkansas move the ball on the ground, keep that high-powered offense off the field? On the flip side, can Ole Miss go and go fast and convert unlike last week? And if they can, then all of a sudden it's a different game. The other factor you have to consider, Matt Corral. Worst career game was not last week against Alabama. It was last year against Arkansas in Fayetteville, 20 of 38, 200 yards passing, two touchdowns, six interceptions. So what is Matt Corral? Was that a bad game? Does Barry Odom have his number? This game has so many different variables going into it. Good luck if you have a strong feel for this game because I'm just telling you, you gotta figure out the mental headspace. You gotta figure out who's gonna be able to dictate their will on the other team. This, from a stylistic standpoint, I think actually might be the most interesting game of the week. I think Penn State-Iowa is going to be better, but they kind of play kind of a similar style. Same with Oklahoma-Texas, same with Georgia-Auburn. But this game, I have no idea what to expect. Wrapping up a couple other games, LSU at Kentucky. This is another game, I'll be honest. I do not feel significantly different today about this game than I did earlier in the week. LSU cannot run the football. If you listen to anything I do, This has been one of the themes of the week. LSU cannot run the football. They are terrible running the ball. And so you rank 128th nationally right now in rushing. The only teams that are worse, Mississippi State doesn't even try to run the ball in Bowling Green. Can't run the ball. You can't win games in the SEC unless you have a situation like Mississippi State where you break off a couple big plays. I should mention, by the way, spread in this one is uh, 33, not 30, three and a half points. On top of that, the over-under in this one is about 51, and so I bring it up, LSU, there's nothing else to say. If they can't run the football, they're not going to have success. Kentucky, I would say, though, be careful if you love Kentucky in this game, and I'm not saying Kentucky shouldn't be favored. I'm not saying they won't win. I'm not saying it might not even get ugly for LSU, but at the same time, let's have a real conversation about Kentucky. Because I was told that Kentucky's defense or offense was going to look so much different this year. Will Levis at quarterback, Liam Cohen as the offensive coordinator. Here's what they've done in the last three games: 28 points against Tennessee Chattanooga, 16 points against South Carolina, 20 against Florida. And let's be careful about that 20 points against Florida. First of all, they had a kick return or a, a, a blocked kick return for a score that got them six points. And Wandale Robinson had a big run that got him another touchdown. And that is basically where all their offense came from. And so in that game, they finished with only 224 yards of total offense. They finished with, uh Will Levis only attempted 17 passes. And by the way, if you're up at home against Florida, yeah, you should. You should not, you know, you should play a close conservative to the vest kind of uh, uh, effort. But the point I'm trying to make is, Let's not make this Kentucky offense out to be the 2008 New England Patriots, okay? So this one will be interesting. I expect it to be low scoring uh, because LSU can't run the football. They can't move the ball, and I'm not sold Kentucky can either. By the way, that game against South Carolina a few weeks ago, a bunch of turnovers in that one, much better on last Saturday against Florida. Last big SEC game, or at least interesting one, South Carolina, 10.5-point underdog at Tennessee. Tennessee got a coach fired at Missouri. Don't talk about another man's job, but he don't got a job no more. So that Tennessee game is very interesting. And again, I think the big question is, is Tennessee turning a corner? Did they play a really bad Missouri team? The one thing I can tell you about Tennessee, I do think they figured out that quarterback situation. I've been telling you, Hendon Hooker should be the guy. Hendon Hooker is the guy right now. 15 of 19 passing last week for 225 yards. He also had a very effective game on the ground, 80 yards rushing and a touchdown. Hendon Hooker, I think, can make plays in this offense for Josh Heupel, and I think Hennan Hooker and Tennessee are going to be a challenge for every team left on this schedule. South Carolina, I know it's a talking point. I say it every week. They play hard for Shane Beamer. They're just not very gifted offensively. I mean, listen, when your backup quarterback was a guy that was supposed to be a GA and he's getting snaps in SEC games, that tells you everything you need to know about South Carolina. I don't believe they're very competitive. We're gonna learn a lot about Tennessee this week, though, Because if Tennessee, were they that good or was Missouri that bad? A couple other games that have caught my attention. First of all, Ohio State hosting Maryland. It's amazing to me. Two weeks ago, we all agreed Ohio State stunk. We thought they stunk, gave up 500 yards to Tulsa, easily could have lost that game. Ohio State scored a bunch of points late, made it look a lot more one-sided than it actually was. The week before, they lost to Oregon, gave up 500 yards in that game as well. By the way, I don't know if I said that they gave up 500 points to Tulsa or 500 yards. Definitely wasn't 500 points. That would have been a pretty big story. But the point I bring up, the reason I bring it up, we thought Ohio State wasn't very good two weeks ago. Now they beat a really bad Akron team and a Rutgers team that cannot move the football. And we think they're this incredible team Sorry, I am not yet sold. CJ Stroud's still dealing with that shoulder. We'll see if he's 100%. I do think they'll be able to run the ball against Maryland. I should mention they're playing Maryland, 21 point favorite against Maryland. But Maryland can also throw the football. And if they could just take care of it, I know I said it last week against Iowa, but Ohio State ain't Iowa defensively, certainly not in the turnover department. They can take care of the football, they can move the football, and they can score. This feels like way too many points for Ohio State. I should also mention Ohio State has a bye before their schedule starts to get much tougher. Obviously, from here, they are going to play Penn State. Obviously, from here, they are going to play a ranked Michigan State team. Michigan is on the horizon, a game at Nebraska. So things are going to continue to get tougher as time goes on. Last real game I want to talk about. You guys are going to laugh. For those of you who don't know, I talk about it on my podcast, the Aaron Torres Podcast, I'm a UConn alum, okay? Tough, tough, tough times being a UConn alum right now. But three and a half point favorite against UMass, two 0-5 teams meeting in Amherst, Massachusetts. I believe it's in Amherst anyway. UConn's been good the last two weeks. So UConn obviously fired. They didn't fire Randy Edsel. He quote-unquote announced his retirement and then was kind of forced out the door when he wanted to stay the rest of the year. They've been playing well. They had a lead over Wyoming late in that game. Could not hold on for the win against a Wyoming team that I should mention, by the way. Wyoming, currently 4-0 going into their game this weekend against Air Force. Had to hold on for dear life against UConn. Wyoming wins 24-22. Last week, last second field goal, Vanderbilt beats UConn. UConn actually outgained Vanderbilt in that game. And so I would never tell you how to spend your hard-earned money. I would never tell you to put it on UConn for sure. I could tell you that much. But UConn is playing well in an 0-5. We spend so much time talking about Alabama A&M, Penn State, Iowa. How about we give a little love to UConn and UMass? All right, I think that's it for this episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Uh, Great episode, really fun episode. Like I said, really, really, really fun show. Uh, Again, if you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so iTunes, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe. As I've told you many times, send it to friends, send it to family. Again, thank you guys for your support every single week during college football season. The numbers on this show have gone up. Thank you for that. I truly appreciate it. Thank you to our partners at DraftKings. If you did not hear the promo earlier, click the write-up of this podcast in Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, whatever, you can see the incredible giveaway that DraftKings has for listeners of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. So thank you to our partners at DraftKings. Other than that, enjoy the games. Enjoy college football. By the way, my picks are up at Aaron Torres Online. I am going to get out of here. Hope everybody has a great Saturday.